Amen. Well, we got this week and next week, and then we're going to be done with the book of Revelation. I'd ask for a show of hands about how many people are glad, but I don't, I don't think I'll do that. <laughs> ah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. It, it is the book with the promise. So we're, uh, and now we're really, really in the good stuff. Although it's all really future stuff. So we got as far as um, chapter 20, and we're starting on verse 7. So we've, uh, we, last time we talked about the millennium, reign of Christ. I believe it's a literal thousand years where Christ comes down and rules from Jerusalem on the planet Earth. Lots, we talked about all the good things that are going to be happening. Uh, yeah, that's what we did last week. So now, verse 7 starts us at the very end of the thousand years. It says, now when the thousand years have expired, meaning they are a set time and that time has come to its end, Satan will be released from his prison and will go out to deceive the nations which are in the far corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. Okay, I'm going to stop right there because that reference to Gog and Magog gets a lot of people confused between this battle at the end of the millennial time period, the end of the thousand years, because Gog and Magog are also mentioned in the great battle in Ezekiel 37, 38, and 39. And um, there's no definitive word on exactly who this Gog and Magog are. Some people will tell you that it's Putin in the country of Russia. Others will say that it is a evil spirit prince like, um, like Daniel experienced in Persia and, and uh, in, in that territory and all of his followers. Um, I, I kind of tend to go along with that one because, as we said, Gog and Magog are referenced in Ezekiel and they're referenced here. And both are responsible for bringing hordes of people to do battle against the camp of the saints. And so I tend to think that they are demonic forces behind earthly rulers, behind uh, people groups that have come out against Christ and the saints and are, and are followers of Satan and they're prepared to do battle. All right. It says that they are gathered together, everyone to do battle, whose number is as the sand of the sea. Now, remember that um, when we went into the millennial time period, we had the church, which was, which I believe was raptured before the tribulation, and it's been spent spent that seven years in um, heaven 
And I believe the church came back on white horses at the time of Christ's appearing back to earth. We also have those resurrected from the uh, saints that were killed during the tribulation. And we have a number of people still alive with natural flesh who have survived through the tribulation and all of those groups are going into the millennial time period. Now, the implication, of course, over a thousand years is that the people who survived the tribulation are marrying and being married and having kids and generations and a thousand years is a lot of generations. So, in a sense, they have more than likely repopulated most of the earth, or all of the earth. Um, so when it says, whose number is as the sand of the sea, in a thousand years, that's entirely possible. Uh, you can have billions of people born in a thousand years, or in a thousand years. Sickness and disease are wiped, gone. Yeah, it's ideal living conditions on the earth. So you can have a lot of people born and live a long time. It says they went up on the breadth of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints, meaning the city of Jerusalem and the beloved city. Specifically says that. But it says fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So why, why did this battle have to take place? Why did God let Satan out of the bottomless pit? Well, we've had these millions and possibly billions of people born during the millennial time period who have been living under the leadership, kingship of Christ this whole time, and they've never had an opportunity to make the choice really for themselves about serving Christ. Now when Satan is loosed, it says he goes out across the breadth of the world, and possibly with these demon spirits, Gog and Magog, and leads them a large number of them, again, into rebellion against Christ's rulership and kingship on the planet Earth. So every individual alive at this point in time on the planet Earth has to make a decision for themselves about whether they're going to follow Christ or not. And those who decide not to follow Christ come under Satan's dominion they form an army, they roll up to the plains of Jerusalem, and God sends fire and destroys the entire, that entire army. So they've made their choice, and they've paid the price of, make, of the choice that they made. Um, one of the... Um, Oh, so many big words, and I can't pick one of them. Um, one of the belief systems 
is that when sinners go to the lake of fire, that they may spend time there, but ultimately they just are gone. They are just uh, annihilation is the word I was looking for, is that, that they're annihilated so that they are no more. But on the verse right there at the uh, verse 10, so the devil, who is a spirit, is finally cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, which is, which is the final place for all of the evil angels and uh, all of the and all all that is evil will end up there but it says they will be tormented day and night forever and ever so the bible does not teach that eventually the soul and spirit are annihilated and just go away or are just gone burned up the bible teaches that all that have been created live forever it's just a matter of which place are you going to live. Are you going to be with Christ in heaven or are you going to be in the lake of fire with Satan and his, and his cohorts? We have a hard time with that. But, you know, my favorite thing is, is you know, well, why can't God just make them all good or why can't just save everybody? Well, he made provision for that. He did that. He sent Jesus to die for all mankind. But there is, that whole free will thing comes into play, there is got to be left room for people to make their own decisions about that. And if they reject Christ, this is the end. All right. So the great white throne, judgment. Okay. Well, let's just read. Um, Randy, you want to read um, 11 to 15? Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there were found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. The sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them, and they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, New King James Version. Okay, so this is, um, well, first of all, So many places to go. Um, this is another judgment. I don't know whether, I don't think it's taking place on the earth. It could be taking place in heaven. Um, doesn't really say. It does say that the earth and the heavens fled away. And uh, most commentaries will tell you that that is probably what um, Peter was talking about in 2 Peter 3 and 7, where it says that the earth and the heavens are reserved for the day of fire. They will be cleansed by fire. And in fact, um, 
that's also attributed as far back as Enoch um, in the line before Noah described the same type of thing. So when it talks about the, the heavens and the earth none being able to, or, or fled away, it could be that that's a time of cleansing. Now, I will tell you that you've got to read between the lines here a little bit, and at this point in time, I believe all the saints have been transported to heaven, or they've been transported to the city of the New Jerusalem, which is somewhere between heaven and earth. And um, we'll, when we get to 21, we'll look at that a little bit more closely. But this is a judgment of what I would have to call the evil, unrighteous dead. So all of those who have died outside of Christ, who have died outside of faith, who have died outside of God, um, are now brought to life to stand before God in judgment. And they're judged from two different books. The most important one is the book of life. And unfortunately, these people's names are not found written in the book of life. Not a one of them. Now the interesting thing is that there's also these other books in which their um, works have been written down. Now, it's kind of interesting, but what I found was that if we looked up Matthew eleven twenty to 24, well, let's look at that one because that's a little bit longer, longer set of verses. The premise is, is that even judgment is to a degree. Eleven uh, twenty. This is Jesus speaking. Then he began to rebuke the cities in which most of his mighty works had been done because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. So based on these books of works, there is also a degree of punishment that will be handed out in that lake of fire. Because that is the end result of all of this judgment seat, the great white throne. All, anyone not found written in the book of life, which is everybody who's coming before this judgment, was cast into the lake of fire. So all evil at this point has been cast into the lake of fire. There is no more evil of any kind on the earth. And I believe the earth has been renewed by fire. Now as we get into chapter 21, we're going to start to see what that means. Um, whew. 
all the way to chapter verse 8. But Bonnie, can you read 1 through 4? Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there were no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 4, New King James Version. So we have a new heaven and a new earth. Now, the word heaven in this context, probably, okay, so uh, there's, in the Jewish mind, there's three heavens, three levels to heaven. The first level is the atmosphere from earth to what we call outer space. That's the first heaven. And that was actually Satan's domain and dominion. Then we have the second heaven, which is what we call outer space. Everything past our atmosphere out to the ends of the universe is the second heaven. And then we have the third heaven, which is God's domain on the sides of the north somewhere. Yeah, north. Um, and we don't really have a good clue about where exactly that is, but it's out there somewhere. Or it's a totally spiritual state that only spiritual beings can inhabit. Maybe not physical at all. But he's, that's where God has resided, is in the third heaven. <clears throat> so the first heaven and the first earth passed away, meaning they've been burned with fire, they've been cleansed, the atmosphere has been cleansed, the whole earth has been cleansed. And the interesting thing, and there was no more sea, no more ocean. The oceans are, are, are land masses now. So that's going to be very different. Um, and then John sees the holy city, New, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, okay, from God. Now this next part of this verse gets a lot of people confused, but they say, well, it... It sounds like the city is the bride of Christ. No, you got to read it a little bit carefully. Um, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So the city has been draped, has been prepared, has been made beautiful like a bride. It doesn't say is a bride. It says like a bride. So the city is not the bride of Christ. We are, his people are the bride of Christ. Now, um, all of the saints at this point in time, as I said, they had been taken out of the earth before the great white throne judgment, probably to heaven, maybe to the city, because they are all coming back down in this city. And we'll see that in a little bit further on in the chapter. So the city is coming down, the saints are in it, coming down with it as well. Um, Austin, can we pick up at 5 and go through 9? We'd go through 8. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. 
And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Revelation chapter 21 verses 5 through 8, New King James Version. So now God speaks directly from the throne with John. And he's first thing he says, behold, I make all things new. I mean, and he means it. All things are new. New heaven, new earth, new city, new Jerusalem, new people, new, you know, new, everything is new. So mm, that's a good, that's a good thing. Um, and he speaks just as we saw Christ speaking in the beginning of the book of Revelation. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He speaks about the fountain of the water of life, which we're going to see more in chapter 22. He says, he who overcomes shall inherit all things, which were at that point. The saints have inherited the things of God. But all these other people, they're now in the lake of fire. <clears throat> Let's continue on. Um, Joanne, you want to go from nine? Oh, wow, there's, this is a long one. Nine through thirteen? Yeah. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Also she had a great and high wall with twelve gates, and twelve angels at the gates, and names written on them, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel, three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, and three gates on the west. Revelation chapter 21 verses 9 through 13, New King James Version. So again, the, the, the verse can be a little bit um, hard to read and understand again it it you could get um the impression that the city is the bride and that's why it's important to realize that as the saints have been transported off the earth for the renovation project they're coming back in the city so the saints the bride of christ is in the city as it's coming down and um it's it's the bride is us. It's the saints in Christ who died in Christ when uh, before his second coming um, and were raptured and taken away. That we, we are the bride. And it starts to describe in glorious fashion um, this city which uh, first thing we learn about is it's it, Jasper is, is just, it's, it's sometimes they say it's like a diamond that sparkles. Others just describe it as a clear crystal that you can almost completely see through. So it's, 
and uh, great and high wall, and we're going to learn more about that as we go. Twelve gates. Gates had the names of the twelve tribes of Israel written on them, um, and there's an angel guarding each of those gates. Okay, so let's go on from 14. You know, there's a whole lot of stones here. Let me just read what I want to read out of there. Now, the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And some of the commentaries I read put them as layers. You know, they're different colored stones again, and but put them as layers. But I tend to think of foundations as a like a foundation stone at the corners. You know, it's just a like a like a big foundation block, and 12 of them maybe around the periphery of the city. It's not clear which way that works. Um, but these 12 foundations had the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb written on them. <clears throat> and the angel who's talking with John gives him a measuring read. And it says, the city is laid out in a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. So the, the base is as deep as it is wide. <clears throat> and he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. Now you've probably seen the translation, 12,000 furlongs is approximately 1,500 miles. So one description said, if you laid it on the East Coast, it would stretch from Maine to Florida and from the Atlantic to about Colorado. So it's a big place. Now, the, the really crazy thing is that it's as tall as it is deep and wide. Okay, So I could put a couple of things in here just to give you an idea of what 1,500 miles high is all would be like. So first of all, we're pretty familiar with the International Space Station. We can see it go over and overhead as a bright light some nights. That's 220 miles up. Okay, The city is 1,500 miles up. Now, if you take the planet Earth, it's a sphere, right? It's a big globe. Its diameter from pole to pole or equator to equator is about 8,000 miles. So the city is about one-fifth the diameter of the Earth sitting, sitting on, the, on, the, on the planet Earth. So it's one big place. <clears throat> now some people ask, well, when did this city get created? And um, I've got it in my notes back up there or a little bit earlier on. It says, the city existed before Jesus came to earth from John 14, 2, because Jesus says, don't you know that I am going to prepare a place for you? And my father's house has many mansions. He's talking about this city. So it existed before Jesus ever came to earth. But in Hebrews eleven ten. And in 12.22, it also says that Abraham looked for the day when he would be an inhabitant of God's city. So the city was in Abraham's mind back in, even as far back as Abraham. 
Some would say that it was created from the foundations of the earth, ready for us as inhabitants. Couldn't find scripture for that one, but it's been around at least as long as Abraham, probably longer. So these 12 foundations are precious stones, and I'm not going to go through all the precious stones. Every, every color of the rainbow and then some, 12 of them. It says that the 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each gate was one pearl. That's one mighty big oyster. That would take a lot of cocktail sauce. But that's a big pearl. <clears throat> and then it describes the walls or, or the construction of the city and the streets of the city. And this one's a little bit harder it's to, to get your mind around as well. Um, it says it, they're like pure gold, like transparent glass. So I can kind of picture that. You know, the, the movies have done such a good job of being able to picture just about anything. But if you can think of gold-colored plexiglass that's miles thick and deep, and you can see through it, and it's gold-colored, uh, it's... Uh, it's, it's, the place is really beautiful. Let's put it that way. Now, the other thing that um, is, you know, it's a minor controversy, but it's kind of fun to think about. Some people, when they hear that the height and the height, the width and the depth and the height are all the same, they immediately think of a cube, you know, a cubic city. But there's at least one other um, geometric shape that fits that as well, and that's a, a, a pyramid. So the point can be at 1,500 miles, and the walls, or the, the, sea, the floor, can be 1,500 miles square. So it could also be a pyramid. We won't know until we get there, more than likely. Well, um, when we get to chapter 22, there's a couple of things. Well, even as we finish chapter 21, um, it says that the glory of God filled the structure, right? And so you can imagine that God's dwelling place at the peak of the pyramid would naturally flow down through the glass-like walls and fill the entire structure. If it was a cube, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, this is God we're talking about. He can do anything he wants to. But. So, and it also, it says that the river of life, which we're not going to read about until we get to chapter 22, flows from out from under the throne of God through the streets of the city. And again, a pyramid shape could lend itself to flowing away from the throne of God in all directions, maybe more so than a square. But those are speculations. Okay, um, Joey, can you read? 22 to the end of the chapter, please. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there, and they shall bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. 
but there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Revelation chapter 21 verses 22 through 27, New King James Version. Okay. So it's pretty significant because even as we've been observing heaven from John's perspective, several times we see the temple of God. We see the Ark of the Covenant We see in heaven, not, not the tabernacle or the Solomon or Herod's temple on earth, but we saw the temple in heaven where God is. Okay, We saw the doors of heaven open and we saw the, or the doors of the temple opened in heaven and we saw into the temple in heaven. But now it says this city will have no temple in it because God is now dwelling there. He is in the city and uh, his glory permeates the city. So there is no need for a temple of any other kind. And in fact, his glory lights the city to such an extent that it says we don't need the sun and the moon to light the city anymore. It does not say that the sun and moon don't exist, but it says we don't need them to light the city. One of those minor points again, but some people get hung up on that. Okay, because the Lamb of God is the light of the city. Now, um, the primary con commentary that I'm using does talk about where it's several times where it talks about nations in these verses. And he says the, probably the more proper translation would be Gentiles. The word is translated in, in the New Testament both ways as nations or it's ethnos, people groups, but really, it's typically in the New Testament, it's referring to basically anybody outside the Jewish people. So it's, it's Gentiles. It's Gentile nations. It's Gentile people altogether. And the nations of those, so the Gentiles of those who are saved shall walk in its light. Okay? So it just fulfills the promises that God spoke through the Old Testament and through Jesus is that the Gentiles have a place in his kingdom as much as the Jews do. It's not maybe the same place, but it's a place along with the Jewish people and along with the church. So each and all of us have a, a uniqueness about our place in God's plan and God's order. It may be different, but it's all in God's plan and God's order. Um... And when we talk about the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it, so it's not, I don't think there's an implication that nation states exist outside the, this new Jerusalem, other than to say that those who were kings in the nation states, because during the millennium, we, all the nations did still exist. But now those have been brought to the city, the new Jerusalem, and whatever glory they might have had as kings and rulers on the earth has been brought to the city and it's ascribed to God and Jesus and to those, the glory is given to them. Um, now, here's just a thing for you to think about. There's gates and it says the gates never close, 
If you were in a city-state in the Old Testament, they had walls, they had gates, and when nightfall came, the gates closed. You couldn't get in anymore. If you got there too late and the gate was closed, you had to either know somebody or you camped outside the gate because they weren't going to open it for you. But it says the gates of this city are never closed because there is no night and the saints can come and go in and out of it. Now, this is Burns' speculation. If we can come and go out of the gates of the city, where are we going to and coming from? Well, God's got a plan. We're not going to sit around on clouds and play harps. God's got a plan. We will be active even in eternity. I personally want to go explore the rings of Saturn and some of those major constellations that are so far away. You know, and then I'll come back and we'll resume singing praise to God. But I kind of like to travel a little bit. You know, it's a, it's a big universe that God has made for us. Okay, that's for speculation. Um, but if the gates are open and we're coming and going, God's got a purpose for us to be coming and going. I don't know what it is. Can't tell you. But it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And the new Jerusalem will be there in eternity for our home. So... Um, I'm going to stop there. We've got the whole book, chapter 22, for next week, which has got a lot of good stuff in it as well. So we have moved the saints from the millennial period where Jesus is ruling, says with the rod of iron, from Jerusalem. And all these natural people are still out in the world, they're given a chance to make their decision for Christ when Satan gets released. And um, a lot of them make the wrong choice and it totally end up in the lake of fire. And, and so at the, it says at the point of the chapter where we talked about the great white throne of judgment, I really truly believe that all of the saints on the earth have been transported either to heaven or into the New Jerusalem of the city. And uh, we've moved from a time-based creation to eternity. There, time as we know it probably doesn't exist anymore at this point, at this point. So new heavens, new earth, new time, new city, new bodies, new resurrection capabilities. Things are really good. Can't wait. I'm looking forward to the day. Um, don't let your friends and neighbors go into the lake of fire. <laughs> I've come to realize more and more that this book truly is an evangel uh, a book to inspire us to evangelism. The results of not choosing Christ are so horrible. We've just got to make sure that we bring as many people as we can with us into that new eternity. <laughs>